Chapter Fourteen of Glinda of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Lee Paquette. Glinda of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Fourteen. Ozma's Counselors. No ruler ever had such a queer assortment of advisers as the Princess Ozma had gathered about her throne. Indeed, in no other country could such amazing people exist. But Ozma loved them for their peculiarities and could trust every one of them. First, there was the tin woodman. Every bit of him was tin, brightly polished. All his joints were kept well oiled and moved smoothly. He carried a gleaming axe to prove he was a woodman, but seldom had cause to use it, because he lived in a magnificent tin castle in the Winky country of Oz, and was the emperor of all the Winkies. The tin woodman's name was Nick Chopper. He had a very good mind, but his heart was not of much account, so he was very careful to do nothing unkind or to hurt anyone's feelings. Another counsellor was Scraps, the patchwork girl of Oz, who was made of a gaudy patchwork quilt, cut into shape and stuffed with cotton. This patchwork girl was very intelligent, but so full of fun and mad pranks that a lot of more stupid folks thought she must be crazy. Scraps was jolly under all conditions, however grave they might be, but her laughter and good spirits were of value in cheering others, and in her seemingly careless remarks, much wisdom could often be found. Then there was the shaggy man, shaggy from head to foot, hair and whiskers, clothes and shoes, but very kind and gentle, and one of Ozma's most loyal supporters. Tick-Tock was there, a copper man with machinery inside him, so cleverly constructed that he moved, spoke, and thought by three separate clockworks. Tick-Tock was very reliable, because he always did exactly what he was wound up to do, but his machinery was liable to run down at times, and then he was quite helpless until wound up again. A different sort of person was Jack Pumpkinhead, one of Ozma's oldest friends and her companion on many adventures. Jack's body was very crude and awkward, being formed of limbs of trees of different sizes jointed with wooden pegs but it was a substantial body and not likely to break or wear out, and when it was dressed the clothes covered much of its roughness. The head of Jack Pumpkinhead was, as you have guessed, a ripe pumpkin with the eyes, nose, and mouth carved upon one side. The pumpkin was stuck on Jack's wooden neck and was liable to get turned sideways or backward, and then he would have to straighten it with his wooden hands. The worst thing about this sort of a head was that it did not keep well, and was sure to spoil sooner or later. So Jack's main business was to grow a field of fine pumpkins each year, and always before his old head spoiled, he would select a fresh pumpkin from the field and carve the features on it very neatly, and have it ready to replace the old head whenever it became necessary. He didn't always carve it the same way so his friends never knew exactly what sort of an expression they would find on his face. But there was no mistaking him, because he was the only pumpkin-headed man alive in the land of Oz. A one-legged sailor man was a member of Ozma's council. His name was Cap'n Bill. 
and he had come to the land of Oz with Trot, and had been made welcome on account of his cleverness, honesty, and good nature. He wore a wooden leg to replace the one he had lost, and was a great friend of all the children in Oz, because he could whittle all sorts of toys out of wood with his big jackknife. Professor H. M. Wogglebug, T.E., was another member of the council. The H.M. meant highly magnified, for the professor was once a little bug who became magnified to the size of a man and always remained so. The T.E. meant that he was thoroughly educated. He was at the head of Princess Ozma's Royal Athletic College, and so that the students would not have to study and so lose much time that could be devoted to athletic sports such as football, baseball, and the like. Professor Wogglebug had invented the famous educational pills. If one of the college students took a geography pill after breakfast, he knew his geography lesson in an instant. If he took a spelling pill, he at once knew his spelling lesson, and an arithmetic pill enabled the student to do any kind of sum without having to think about it. These useful pills made the college very popular, and taught the boys and girls of Oz their lessons in the easiest possible way. In spite of this, Professor Wogglebug was not a favorite outside his college, for he was very conceited, and admired himself so much, and displayed his cleverness and learning so constantly, that no one cared to associate with him. Ozma found him of value in her counsels, nevertheless. Perhaps the most splendidly dressed of all those present was a great frog as large as a man, called the Frogman who was noted for his wise sayings. He had come to the Emerald City from the Yip country of Oz, and was a guest of honor. His long-tailed coat was of velvet, his vest of satin, and his trousers of finest silk. There were diamond buckles on his shoes, and he carried a gold-headed cane and a high silk hat. All of the bright colors were represented in his rich attire, so it tired one's eyes to look at him for long, until one became used to his splendor. The best farmer in all Oz was Uncle Henry, who was Dorothy's own uncle, and who now lived near the Emerald City with his wife, Aunt Em. Uncle Henry taught the Oz people how to grow the finest vegetables and fruits and grains, and was of much use to Ozma in keeping the royal storehouses well filled. He, too, was a counselor. The reason I mention the little wizard of Oz last is because he was the most important man in the land of Oz. He wasn't a big man in size, but he was a man in power and intelligence, and second only to Glinda the Good in all the mystic arts of magic. Glinda had taught him, and the wizard and the sorceress were the only ones in Oz permitted by law to practice wizardry and sorcery, which they applied only to good uses and for the benefit of the people. The wizard wasn't exactly handsome, but he was pleasant to look at. His bald head was as shiny as if it had been varnished. There was always a merry twinkle in his eyes, and he was as spry as a schoolboy. Dorothy says the reason the wizard is not as powerful as Glinda is because Glinda didn't teach him all she knows, but what the wizard knows he knows very well, and so he performed some very remarkable magic. The ten I have mentioned assembled, with the Scarecrow and Glinda, in Ozma's throne room, right after dinner that evening, and the sorceress told them all she knew of the plight of Ozma and Dorothy. "'Of course we must rescue them,' she continued. 
and the sooner they are rescued, the better pleased they will be. But what we must now determine is how they can be saved. That is why I have called you together in council. The easiest way, remarked the shaggy man, is to raise the sunken island of the skeezers to the top of the water again. Tell me how, said Glinda. I don't know how, your highness, for I have never raised a sunken island. We might all get under it and lift, suggested Professor Wogglebug. How can we get under it when it rests on the bottom of the lake? asked the sorceress. Couldn't we throw a rope around it and pull it ashore? inquired Jack Pumpkinhead. Why not pump the water out of the lake? suggested the patchwork girl with a laugh. Do be sensible, pleaded Glinda. This is a serious matter, and we must give it serious thought. How big is the lake, and how big is the island? was the frogman's question. None of us can tell, for we have not been there. In that case, said the scarecrow, it appears to me we ought to go to the skeezer country and examine it carefully. Quite right, agreed the tin woodman. We will have to go there anyhow, remarked Tick-Tock in his jerky machine voice. The question is, which of us shall go, and how many of us, said the wizard. I shall go, of course, declared the scarecrow. And I, said Scraps. It is my duty to Ozma to go, asserted the tin woodman. I could not stay away, knowing our loved princess is in danger, said the wizard. We all feel like that, Uncle Henry said. Finally, one and all present decided to go to the skeezer country, with Glinda and the little wizard to lead them. Magic must meet magic in order to conquer it. So these two skillful magic workers were necessary to ensure the success of the expedition. They were all ready to start at a moment's notice, for none had any affairs of importance to attend to. Jack was wearing a newly made pumpkin head, and the scarecrow had recently been stuffed with fresh straw. Tick-Tock's machinery was in good running order, and the tin woodman always was well oiled. It is quite a long journey, said Glinda and while I might travel quickly to the skeezer country by means of my stork chariot, the rest of you will be obliged to walk. So as we must keep together, I will send my chariot back to my castle, and we will plan to leave the Emerald City at sunrise tomorrow. End of chapter 14 Ozma's Counselors Recording by Linda Lee Paquette